Well, hello there. This is Dr. Ed Hill, the host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. I'm happy that you joined us at dredhill.podbean.com, the home of This Week in the Word. We are coming to the sixth episode in Revelation, God Rules. In episode six, I've entitled The Seven Trumpets, and it's the episode for Sunday, February 12th, 2023. So we're glad you're here. Now, if you're here for the very first time, I'm immediately going to give you homework. Oh, no. Yes, I am. If this is your first time here, before you listen to next week's episode, take this week and listen to episodes one through five, and that will catch you up. You could do just one a day, and you'll be up to speed by next week. Now, for those of you who've been with us from the very start, I know when we first started, you were thinking, oh, no, Revelation, that could take an entire year. Look at yourself. We're already to episode six, and we're well over one-third of the way through the book of the Revelation. <laughs> so pat yourself on the back for hanging in there. It's, it's going to be great as we continue. Now, we don't know for certain if the seals, trumpets, and bowls are in exact chronological in the book of the Revelation that is happening in, in sequence, one after another, or if they happen together at certain points. It's very hard to tell. Another thing is we don't know and can't easily explain every detail of the book of the Revelation, but we can know the main message. Repent and be saved by Jesus Christ while it is today before it is too late. Now, as I've explained in earlier episodes, I take the Bible at face value. When it says something, that's what it means. And that even means when something is obviously symbolic, we take it as a symbol, right? You understand that? But I use a grammatical, historical, literal hermeneutic. And as we've said before, Herman who? A hermeneutic is a, a methodology, an approach for interpreting anything, anything that's written, for example. So I use a grammatical, historical, literal hermeneutic. As the great Bible expositor and great author John Phillips used to say, when the plain sense makes sense, seek no other sense. Now that's true, and I, I go by that. But in Revelation chapters 8 and 9, Listen, I'm just telling you before we read it today, we will read and hear things, though they are literal, for which we cannot offer much of an explanation. You'll see what I mean in a few minutes. And you know what we do? We just accept them as true as they are. I don't have to understand it to accept it and believe it. Now, those who have the misfortune of living through those things during the tribulation will be able to say, that's exactly what God said would happen. I mean, they'll be looking at it and they'll say, this is amazing. And if the church is able to see or know about 
these events unfolding on earth while we've been taken to heaven by our bridegroom, the Lord Jesus Christ. The church is the bride of Christ. If we're able to know what's going on, we also will be able to say that's exactly what God said would happen, exactly like it would happen. But we can't really crack the code on a lot of that on this side of the tribulation. Now, I want you to think about something. Put your thinking caps on before we begin to read Revelation 8 and 9. Think about this. In the last few years and even the last few months, I probably could say the last few hours, because I don't know what's been done in the last few hours, right? In the last few years and even the last few months, we have learned of things that have been invented, implemented, applied, designed, even created that we had no concept of, nor even the understanding to imagine a few years or months ago. I'm going to give you an example Possibly in airports or even other places, you've seen the grab-and-go stores where people just walk in. There's usually no clerk in those. They walk in, they take what they want, and they walk out. And of course, technology is, is scanning their card and, and what they, they took out of the store. And, you know, their charge appears on their card and all of that stuff, debit card, whatever. But those places are creepy because I think it, it almost teaches people that it's okay to just walk in and take something. Now, I know that their card is being charged. I get that part of it. But it's just the concept that you can walk into a store and walk out with something, quote, without paying. Isn't that weird? I think those places are creepy, personally. Now... Another thing, transhumanism, what is that? Well, that's where a man becomes machine. Transhumanism is already here. With gene splicing and mutations, we created hybrids. With nanotechnology, we perform robotic surgery, and we even dispense medicine inside the body and even alter genetic code in our DNA, such as the mRNA technology and the jab. If you don't believe me, go read the pharmaceutical websites about what they say about mRNA technology. And we're, we are also seeing the unthinkable process of merging humans with machines. It's, and that's already well underway with artificial intelligence, with the capability to produce super men. That was Hitler's goal and Nietzsche's goal, by the way, of, of reaching the ultimate man, which would be stronger and greater and faster and all of that than mankind had ever been before, an elite force of warriors. So, in a few minutes, when we read of grotesque creatures attacking the earth dwellers, we may ask is, if this is natural or supernatural 
or both? And we don't know the answer to these questions. And we don't know and can't know the specifics yet, but we do know that the earth during the tribulation is not where we want to be. And you know what? We don't have to be here because we are born again believers, or if we are born again believers, maybe you're not. Well, you need to, you need to start thinking heavily about that. But when we are born again believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is soon returning, who promised deliverance from this awful hour of temptation, this snare that is coming on all that dwell on the earth, we can know that we can be delivered from that. But if you were to find yourself alive on the earth during the tribulation period, you would know immediately, this is not where I wanted to end up. All right, so with all of those warnings, here we are at Revelation chapter 8, and we're going to go back to verse 1. We covered a little of this in the last episode, but let's just go back to verse 1 in Revelation 8. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. Now, I want to make this point. Up to this place in the book of Revelation, heaven has been filled with dynamic, energetic worship of God. It has been a wonderfully loud and noisy and, and I believe musical place, a wonderful place. But now, when the seventh seal is open, there's silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. And we wonder, is that because heaven begins to understand the, the, the church that's there, the angels? Of course, the Lord knows, but is it is it just looking at the the immensity and the awfulness of what is about to come on the earth, there's a silence in heaven, the space of half an hour. That may well be, but it certainly is like a pause in a speech that makes people lean in and listen longer or better. Verse two, and I saw the seven angels which stood before God and to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne." And the smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. And the seven angels, which had the seven trumpets, prepared themselves to
to sound. The first angel sounded, and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood, and they were cast upon the earth. And the third part of trees was burnt up, and all green grass was burnt up. Now, someone has pointed out, and this is a great thing, that as we read these judgments, it's only a third. In other words, God protects two-thirds of the trees and the grass. But I can remember even from elementary school that we began to learn that, you know, man breathes oxygen. Uh, He breathes out, I think I'm getting this right, carbon dioxide, Trees breathe that in and they produce oxygen and grass does the same thing. So God has set up a wonderful creation in nature on earth that sustains man. Now this begins to be threatened. Verse eight, and the, you know, people worship the earth and God says, don't worship the earth. Watch this. (laughs) It's sort of like that. So this is, We don't know what the hell and fire are mingled with blood. Could it be nuclear war? You know, possibly. Could it be an actual supernatural judgment? Yes. I mean, we we see that kind of thing in, um, I believe, in the Exodus, in Moses. But God judges the world, whether he does it through through um, human means, through war, for example, or it's a direct supernatural judgment. But these first four trumpets are all going to deal with the earth that so many people just are crazy about and they worship it and serve it and all of that. And God begins to, to burn things up and judge the earth. Verse eight, and the second angel sounded, and as it were, a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea and the third part of the sea became blood and the third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died and the third part of the ships were destroyed. Pastor Ed, Pastor Ed, explain to us what the great mountain burning with fire was. I don't know. We do not know on this side of the tribulation. You, you understand what I'm saying? But when people are alive during that time, they're going to see it and they're going to say, that's exactly what God said would happen. Is it a meteor hitting the earth? We don't know. Is it some supernatural judgment God sends? We don't know, but we do know it will have a terrible effect on the sea that becomes blood, a third part of it, a third of the part of the sea creatures die, and a third part of the ships are destroyed. Is it is it nuclear war? Maybe. Uh, we don't know. Is it something mankind has not even invented yet? We don't know. It could be supernatural. It could be a natural thing. But the point is, God uses it as a second trumpet, as judgment. You see, remember in Revelation, people think about Revelation and they think Antichrist is in control. No, he's not. He's just a bit player. 
<laughs> maybe a, a little bit more than that in Revelation, but he's just he's just a puppet in Revelation. God uses him. He thinks he's all that, but he's not. God rules. Jesus Christ rules, not the Antichrist. And God is in charge. Verse 10, And the third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp. And it fell upon the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of waters. And the name of the star is called Wormwood. And the third part of the waters became Wormwood. And many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. That's what Wormwood means, something that's bitter, like it's toxic, it's awful. Again, I think you're catching on now. I can't tell you exactly what that is. <laughs> Whatever it is, when it happens, everybody will recognize it, and it's going to have a devastating effect on the water, the fresh water on the earth. Wow. Where I'm broadcasting from is Memphis, Tennessee, and Probably, if you know a little bit about Memphis, you know the Mississippi River runs right by us. But we don't get our water from the Mississippi. You know where we get our water from? Underneath Memphis, far beneath Memphis, in the rocks, is a massive aquifer. And that's where Memphis gets its water. Did you know that? Imagine... If Memphis was involved in this particular judgment and our fresh water in the aquifer became wormwood and it was bitter and men died because of that, imagine the impact on even just one city the size of Memphis. Wow. Verse 12, And the fourth angel sounded, and the third part of the sun was smitten, and the third part of the moon, and the third part of the stars, so as the third part of them was darkened, and the day shone not for a third part of it, and the night likewise. What seems to be referred to here. And the Lord Jesus Christ uh, referenced this in the Gospel of Matthew. But what seems to be referred to here is that somehow, Pastor Ed, how, how? I don't know how. I'm just reading to you what is predicted. But it will literally happen. Now, when, when people who don't follow a grammatical, historical, literal hermeneutic, or method of interpretation, when they don't have that, like a, a fence around them, guardrails, so to speak, then they come to Revelation 8 and 9, and they just, they just make all these things stand for anything they want it to. But what we're told here so far is we've seen four trumpets sounded by the angels, four angels, and there have been four specific judgments 
that are aimed at the earth. And however this happens, mankind will be in darkness a third, a third of the sun, a third of the moon, and a third of the stars. You know, their, their light is darkened. And it says, And the day shone not for a third part of it, and the night likewise. That's complete darkness. How will that happen? I don't know. I mean, I would lean toward this is a supernatural judgment, but it will get everybody's attention. I can tell you that for sure. Verse 13, And I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the three angels, which are yet to sound. I mean, this is bad enough so far. This is not the worst part yet. And that's what this angel warns about. So there are three woes, and those are the, the last three of the seven trumpets. So let's go to Revelation 9, verses 1 through 12. And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him, so we know this star is a, is a being, okay? It's not an actual star, because it's a, it's a, has a personality. So let me read that again. And the, the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth, and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit, the, the abyss. And that is, we could refer to that as the place of the dead, Hades. Is that a literal place? I believe it is. Where is it? That I don't know, but I believe it's literal because you remember when, I think I'm getting this right, when the Lord Jesus Christ freed the demoniac and Gadara, the legion of angels begged the Lord Jesus Christ not to send them to the pit. And that's this place. So for whatever reason, they wanted to go into the pigs, I believe. I think I'm remembering that right. Go back and check me out. But anyway, they, they invaded the pigs and the pigs couldn't stand the demons and jumped off the cliff and drowned themselves. <laughs> Now, they, they referred to this place. Don't send us there. There are apparently, and I, I use that word wrongly, not apparently, there are certain demonic spirits, fallen angels that are so evil that right now in human history, they are restrained in the abyss, the bottomless pit. This star that falls from heaven is given the key to the bottomless pit. Now, is this Satan who is given the key and allowed to release these demons? We're not sure. Is this a, another powerful demonic angel? 
that is allowed to do this? We don't know. We're not sure. Some say that it's the Lord Jesus Christ, and there are many guesses to, as to who it is. I don't think that's the case. Some say that it may be a good angel that is allowed to do this. But I think the concept of a star fall from heaven, that doesn't sound good to me. So I think that this is an evil angel or maybe even Satan himself. And he opened the bottomless pit. Now I want you to think about something. Since these certain angels, demons, that rebelled with Lucifer have have been so enormously evil and they've been restrained for the vast part of human history. And you think about how awful human history's been already without them loose. Can you imagine how awful the future will be when these particularly evil angels are given freedom? I don't think it's gonna be good. And that's an understatement. And he opened the bottomless pit and there arose a smoke out of the pit as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth. Now locusts many times in the Bible, I would say every time, are a sign of the judgment of God. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth, and unto them was given power, as the scorpions of the earth have power. Now, let's stop right here. Are these real locusts? Maybe. It may be, it may just be a way to explain how they're, who, whatever this is, are like hordes of locusts, swarms of locusts. And this is where I said earlier, it's hard to know exactly what all of this means, but we do know it's awful. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree. So you remember two-thirds of the greenery has been protected, and they can't touch that, which normal locusts would. Now, that doesn't mean these aren't normal locusts, but there's going to, if, even if they are, we're going to see these are no normal locusts. And again, it may just refer to demonic beings. The people who are alive when this happens, again, I'm going to say it again, they will look at it and say, that's exactly what God said would happen. Even if we don't know the details, just believe it and receive it. Just accept that something that's so hard to explain is coming to planet Earth. Now, let's read all of verse four again. And it was commanded then that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their foreheads. Now you remember, if you've been with us, that we've already seen that there's 12,000 from every tribe of Israel 
that are sealed with the seal of God in their foreheads. So before the Antichrist ever comes out with the, the mark of the beast and puts that on people's foreheads and their right hand, before that ever happens in Revelation, God one-ups him <laughs> by sealing his servants in their foreheads. Isn't that great? And they are protected from whatever these things are. Verse five, and to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months. So these are all of those who do not have the seal of God in their forehead, those 144,000 Jewish, let's call them Jewish Messianic believers who are proclaiming Messiah Jesus, the Savior of the world, the world's only hope. Somebody said once that they're like 144,000 Jewish Billy Grahams. And to them it was given that they should not kill them, but that they should be tormented five months. So all the other people who aren't of the 144,000, this is what happens. They're tormented for five months. They say, well, what does that word tormented means? It means they're tormented five months. So they're five months. Don't spiritualize that. Say, well, what is, what's going to happen? We don't know exactly. We're told a little bit, and we're going to read it here. But for five months, they're able to torment everybody who doesn't have the seal of God in their forehead. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he striketh the man. And in... And I've never been struck by a scorpion, but I'm told that when you are, it is immensely painful. But it, it usually won't kill you, but it hurts a lot. Some people say it's the worst pain they've ever felt. So whatever these things are, and I I think <laughs> let's just let's just revelation tell us, all right? So let's go go on. Verse six, and in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it and shall desire to die and death shall flee from them. So during these five months, basically the entire world just wants to die already and they can't. Someone asked with the advent of transhumanism, man merged with machine, is it possible that people, because of that, you know, normally might not be able to die so easily? I don't know. Maybe that figures in. But basically, God won't let them die because they're going to be tormented for five months by this swarm of locusts that seem to be demons. And maybe it's just demons. Maybe it's demons with their own particular body. Maybe it's demons who somehow inhabit the bodies of locusts. We just don't know. And I got to tell you, you are in rough shape when death flees from you. Yeah. Verse 7. And the shapes of the locusts were like unto horses 
prepared unto battle, and on their heads were as it were crowns like gold, and their faces were as the faces of men, and they had hair as the hair of women, and their teeth were as the teeth of lions, and they had breastplates as it were breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots of many horses running to battle. And they had tails like unto scorpions, and there were stings in their tails, and their power was to hurt men five months. And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. I think the Greek god Apollo is that same thing. But it's the idea of destruction. I think Vishnu, I believe I have that right, in Indian paganism among their 300 million gods, Vishnu represents destruction. If I don't have the right name, one of their gods, big gods, represents destruction. Now, I cannot explain what we just read, but I believe it. I believe that when it happens, people will say, this is so wild. This is exactly what God said it would be like. Now, one thing I've often wondered about is with the, the way science is getting into the, the realm reserved only for God, is it possible, I mean, work with me here, is it possible that in the future that something from a lab could be released on the world that demons use? I, I don't know. Whatever this is, I don't want to be within a thousand miles of it, and neither do you right? That's what we should get out of this. But it will happen just like God laid it out, even though we can't understand it or explain it at this point. Verse 12, one woe is past, and behold, there come two woes more hereafter. Now we're going to stop today for our podcast because I want to spend time next week in episode seven on going over the the next two woes the last two woes the last two trumpets in some detail thank you for listening very carefully thank you for listening all the way to the end i hope that you will like the episode follow the podcast and share it with someone today you know if you're listening today and you're not sure if you're really born again, if you're really a Christian, if the Lord came in the rapture this week or next year, that you would go with the Lord and his church. You you have a lot of doubt. Or maybe you know that you definitely are not a Christian, but you're starting to think, maybe I should be. You should be. You need to repent of sin and turn to Jesus. I want to give you a phone number. I'm going to say it twice. Ready? 888. Hey, write this down. Don't just hear it. 888-388-2683. 888-388-2683. Call that number 
and a counselor at a Christian ministry will help you come to true faith in the Lord Jesus Christ or strengthen you in your Christian walk that you can have assurance of salvation and serve the Lord until he comes and and look forward to his return. Well, listen, if the Lord doesn't come first and the deep state or the World Economic Forum don't double tap me before next week, then I'll be back with episode seven and we'll understand more as much as we can from the book of the Revelation. Thank you for listening. Like the episode, follow the podcast, and share it with someone today. Bye-bye.